Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. So you guys know we've been in this series uh, talking about next generation church and what that looks like. And at Northeast Community Church, we feel that we are a next gen ministry. We put time and resources towards the next generation. And so uh, we started in week one, we were talking about passing, no, we were, we were talking about losing your marbles, uh, about how time is fleeting, how uh, we don't have a infinite amount of time to pour into our kids, because from the time they're born, we're teaching them to be young, productive citizens, and some of the parents said, oh, Lord, amen. Um, then last week, we talked about going the second mile. Anybody have any second mile opportunities this week? Okay, never mind. All right. And so this week we're going to talk about parenting from the perspective of passing the baton. Passing the baton. Anybody need a Bible? Raise your hand. We'll pass you. We'll slide you one of those as well. Um, uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. That's yours to keep. We love giving away Bibles here at Northeast Community Church. Anybody ever ran track? Reagan did. Good job, Reagan. You lost all your races. Anybody ran track? Uh, I ran track. Uh, in high school because our coach told us if we ran track, we would get pizza uh, after the track meet. I tell you, my living situation, my mama's bank account situation, so pizza after the track meet sounded mighty appetizing. I'll give you a whole day Saturday for all-you-can-eat buffet Saturday evening. You know what I'm saying? And so we ran track. And I wasn't the fastest of runners. I wasn't the fastest of runners. I was quick, though, because I was on the basketball team. The coach saw that I could be quick on the basketball court. That don't translate to the track. It don't. It don't. And so our 4 by 100 relay team was stacked. Like, I had no chance of getting on the 4 by 100 relay team. We had one of the fastest in the city at the time uh, until first six weeks or whatever. Pass, no play, whatever. Everybody wasn't able to run. But uh, I, I didn't have a chance in that. And so he said, why don't you, you jump high on the basketball court. Why don't you do the long jump? Which I never learned how to do. The 200 and the 400. Like, all right, I could do this I told Fred this story. And so nobody ever told me because tra- we had our track team. Listen, we went to track meets and we blew people out with the 4 by 100 relay. Everybody else was just to get points. You know, you know how track works. You get third place, you get fourth place, you get points. And so as many points you can get, your team might win that track meet because you just get points. So I was just a point machine. And so he put me in the 200 and I took off running with the people that knew how to run the 200. That first 100, I had them. And then y'all know about that monkey that jump on your back? <laughs> the 400, individual sport. Loved it. Run it. Boom. About 300 yards in, I'm through. Never came in first place, not once. But I would sit there and I would watch. And I would say, man, I wish Coach would come over here and train me like he trained the 4 by 100. Like they had the, they, they, they had the lay of the track thing, whatever you want to call it. So anyway. So I know this by watching from a distance because like I was doing the, the long jump and stuff like that. I would just sit in the sand pit and throw dirt and watch the 4 by 100 practice because ain't nobody come over here and practicing with me, right? And so I saw they would run around the track and they would do, ah, my knees are bad this morning, and they would go stick, and you would get the stick, right? And go stick, and you would pass the stick to the next guy, and go stick. And then the first guy put it on the ground, last guy pick it up, and, then, and they went around stick. And I'm wondering, why are they yelling stick? Well, I learned what happens is if you're running, you're running really fast, and somebody's running in the, op- in, 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 in the opposite direction of you, and they need to know because they can't turn around because it'll slow them down. And so they have to be able to put their hand back and know when the stick is coming. And it was a team sport, even though I thought track was individual. It was a team sport because, listen, 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 if you mishandle the stick, if you drop the baton, no matter how fast you were or how fast you are, you are not going to win the race. And we saw this in 2006 in the Olympics. Put that next slide up there. Check it out. It's coming. Y'all remember this? Anybody watch the Olympics 2016? No, go back to the other one. We're not there yet. Oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. And so they put the stick on the ground. Even though they were the fastest women in the Olympics, because they dropped the stick, they couldn't win the race. Because the baton wasn't passed properly, because it wasn't proper attention placed on passing the baton, they failed. But there was a caveat. You see, somebody bumped 
the girl as she was passing the baton. That was the reason that the stick got dropped. And so they got another opportunity to run that final again all by themselves. They were just racing the clock. And they qualified, and we know that uh, they were the fastest on the team because if you go back, um, you'll see that even as they were running, this is the funny part, as you were watching the Olympics and you listen to the commentators, you listen to them talk, all they were focused on was if they were going to pass the stick correctly. They weren't talking about how they were blowing everybody else out. They weren't talking about how fast they were running. They were asking, they were saying, ooh, that was a good exchange. Oh, the second exchange. Oh, she didn't miss the spot. That was a good exchange. And then when they passed the finish line, I think Jamaica, where, where's Shay in the house? Shay's not in the house. Jamaica was in second place. Silver. I'm not saying nothing, but Jamaica came in second. USA, sorry. But it was all based upon passing the baton. And we're going to talk about that this morning in our parenting. Listen, God has gifted you and given you a special gift if you're a believer. If you believe in him, he's gifted you with a special gift. And when we have little us's, when we have many me's, our primary job in life is to pass the baton properly to them that they may be able to run the race. And so I asked one of the, I, 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 I debated about doing this sermon last week and the next, the, the second mile this week uh, because it was Mother's Day, but I want to give the best mom in the world, in my opinion, a week off for Mother's Day. And she's going to help me this morning. And we're going to talk about passing the baton. So if you can welcome my lovely wife for how many years? 27 years. 24 years. Miss Anne-Marie Weekly. Help me raise these four beautiful children and the transplants to come as well. We love them all. And uh, she's going to help us share this morning. But, like, quite honestly, last time I taught on parenting, I literally, she was sitting, you know, she sit here. She, she's my amen section sometimes. And I literally was sitting here and I go, and I was verified with her because she's such a good mom. She really is. Like, she takes it seriously. I don't know what she's going to do when these bad, bad buggers move out the house. She's she probably going to start knitting or something. She's going with them. That's what she, she's serious about it. And so she really is a good mother. And so she, we're going to read from Deuteronomy four this morning, chapter seven through nine. If you have a Bible, meet us there. If you have it on your smartphone, meet us there. And we're going to share from God's word this morning. Amy, you would you do the honors of reading the scripture with us this morning? Okay, Deuteronomy four, seven through nine. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what a great nation is there and what great nation is there that has statutes and statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. Amen. So today we're going to we're going to share out of the abundance of scripture uh, what it looks like to practically uh, parent our children. Grab this. Put it over here. Y'all like, Lord, Jesus, don't drop them like you did last time. How do we effectively navigate life? And what are we doing in those weeks, as we talked about in week one, uh, in those weeks of parenting our kids and not losing our marbles? How do we how do we do that? And so we have four practical strategies that we want to address this morning. Right. Yes. The microphone up there. That's how it works. Yeah, there you go. As y'all know, she does not like being in the spotlight. We literally have a spotlight on us this morning. So. This is fun. This is fun for me. If it ain't fun for y'all, I'm enjoying myself over here. All right. And so first and foremost, if you look at the text, it starts with you. It starts with you. Like I said earlier, God has passed the baton to you, hopefully, and it's up to you to then properly secure the baton and run the race. Listen, your children need to see you living like Christ. I try to sit down. I just, I just, just. Your children need to see you being who God would have you to be in order for them to become what God would have them to become. 
And so we have to ask ourselves the question this morning, if it starts with me, what am I doing? I can't tell you how many times me and my wife, we've worked with youth and children over the, wow, a good majority of our marriage. We're old. Yes. Um, over a good majority of our marriage. And one thing that we have seen time and time again is when you're in leadership in, in, in next generation ministry in, in, in some capacity, parents will come to you and say, deal with your student. I get them maybe 50 hours a year. And the rest of the time they are spending living is under your roof. And now you're bringing them into me and asking me to professionally fix your child when you have the greatest influence on your child. And oftentimes, I, remember, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the old folk used to put us, put, uh, I never got on that church bus, but they used to put the uh, people, the little kids in the neighborhood on the church van and send them out to church hoping they would get some Jesus while they stayed home and enjoyed their Sunday mornings. And God is saying to us today, listen, if you're a parent, listen, you have to understand that you're put on the planet for that. And you need to start working at getting yourself together. You need to make sure that you're properly holding the stick, that you're properly running the race. Because, listen, I don't care how fast the other three people on the relay team is. If you don't do your part, the team will be disqualified. And so it has to start. With you, you move my thing. Sorry. You can't pass along what you don't have. Right? Um. Do you have anything to add? <laughs> Moving my thing. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Okay. This is fun. Um, I just know a lot. Of, I know from a mom's perspective, a lot of times as a mom, you feel you struggle with feeling like a failure. You're not doing good enough. You're, you know, there's so many things you have to juggle. Um, Assuming dads feel like that, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I know two scriptures that helped me in the beginning um, were Galatians 2.20, that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And uh, the other one is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Um, for me, those were life-changing because no matter what you messed up yesterday and whatever you did, whatever you're doing, you have to believe that God's word is true. And when we got married at 18 and had kids, like Brianna's the honeymoon. Babies. Yeah, Brianna's the honeymoon baby. Uh, nine months later. She ruined it. <laughs> Um, Love you, Bree. <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing, and we didn't get, uh, we didn't come to like a born again or a saving knowledge of Jesus until maybe like five years in. And so she was about five years old. And when I learned these things, these things really helped me because I know the struggle is so hard. So the first thing you have to do to get yourself right with God, I feel like, is to just know who you are in Him and know that. Um, He's with us along this journey. That's all you highlighted for me in the yellow. Okay. <laughs> Find your mark. Okay. He's very serious about his outline. Yeah. No, no. See, so, so one of our points is going to be here in a minute. You're going to see it when it comes. I'm going to jump to it. Work on your marriage. That's one of our points. If you ain't Amen. never tried to do something with your wife, like preach with your wife, and you like outlines, and she just all over the place with dot, dot, dot. I'm going to say more later. No, you need to tell me what you, what, like, how is it going to fit this? Anyway. You're getting off the outline. I'm off the outline. But li literally, some of the practical things that you can do in order to get yourself right is work on your marriage. I wasn't joking when I said that. Like, your kids need to grow up in a safe environment. One thing that I, I, I learned, um, and I didn't know because I didn't have both parents in the household, and so I never knew what it felt like when parents argued in front of kids. I had no context. I had no clue until my kids were older and they began to express to us that every time y'all argued, we thought y'all were going to get a divorce. I know. Like, the, the gravity and the weight of that as a parent 
knowing that your word and you ain't intending on having a divorce or getting a divorce. You just mad at boo boo right now. Right. And so in her head or their head, it was like, oh, we're going to go have to live with mama or daddy. And they literally my kids. I love my kids. They start talking about who they're going to live with. <laughs> and I'm like, it really wasn't that serious. But in their eight, nine, ten year old mind, this is the end of it. Because divorce is so prevalent in our culture today and seeing pe people who don't have both parents, it used to tear them apart and it created this insecurity inside of them. And we're supposed to be creating a safe place for our children. And so if you're going to argue, get in the car, ride down the road and argue. Tell, hey, me and mama going to go for a ride, you know, and yell at each other down at the lake by the house. Uh, don't do it in front of your children. That's one thing that I, I've taken in creating a safe place uh, for our kids and Thank God they turned out okay because we messed that up along the way. Another thing is, getting back to it, is acknowledge your shortcomings. Acknowledge the sinfulness in your life will not allow you to be a perfect parent. Yeah. Kids, kids notice authenticity. And so for me, yeah. one of the biggest things for me is because they will, especially the older they get, I don't know, they love to throw things in your face, you know, well, you do this too. And it, you're right. I'm messed up too. And I'm striving to be like Jesus. He's the goal. Not me, not your daddy, Jesus. And so just to keep that before them, because we're all messed up apart from Christ. And so, um, but to, to, like he said, apologize when you mess up. I apologize a lot, <laughs> but I expect the same of them, you know, when they mess up to apologize and, and we forgive. Forgiveness also is just as important as apologizing when they are, have messed up. And letting them know that, you know, you forgive them as, who am I not to, you know, after everything Jesus does for me. And it's hard because sometimes I want to fight them. And, um, but I have to let them know that I've forgiven them. Um, and, yeah, being able to apologize is huge. Yeah. I know, it's hard. Yeah. Especially when they're, yeah. So, go ahead, no, after you. No. I was just going to say when you're paying all their bills and doing all this stuff and, you know, you don't want to... <laughs> Apologize to you. I don't care. You know, I don't care what you say. You better do this. And yeah. so, yeah, it's hard. There's a great humble yourself. There's a great amount of humility that goes into parenting. And as parents, we 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 want to, uh, you know, like I said a couple of weeks ago, kids are seen and not heard. Like I'm the mama, I'm the daddy. You're gonna come in line and you're gonna get under and you're gonna do this. And if, unless we acknowledge the sin in our lives and the sin in our hearts and uh, uh, the the challenges that we're going to have because I'm just going to put it out there. Some of us didn't have the greatest parents. Some of y'all had Claire and Cliff Huxtable, but I didn't, right? And so you grow up going, when I grow up, I'm not going to be nothing like them. And then you grow up and you're just like them, right? And you do the exact same things they did. And so you have to acknowledge that there's sin in your life and there's sin in your heart. And unless Jesus comes in and teaches you how to humble yourself, teaches you how to parent, guess what? You're going to repeat these same vicious cycles. And uh, it, it, it just is what it is. So first we have to acknowledge that we're sinful. And that God has entrusted us with these little sinful people, and we have to teach them how to be uh, productive citizens despite sin. And so, and in the heat of the moment, it's hard. Yeah. Especially when they're grown. When they're ish. talking back. Yes. Yes. Let's just go beat them right now. Yes. Um, no, they're. Uh, My just, kids love these sermons, by the way. <laughs> they. Uh, it's it's hard in the heat of the moment to stop and say, and that's why part of why those scriptures were so important to me because when they throw what you did, especially you know, I'm very open and honest about how I grew up. I wasn't saved. I smoked weed. I had sex. I did what I wanted to do because that's what I felt was in. And they'll be like, "Well, you did this. You did." I didn't know, and my sins are covered under the blood. And so you know, you can you have to talk them through from God's perspective how things work because. The biggest thing is we want them to be Christian. So you have to model, you know, what Christianity is. You're right. I did horrible things. And, you know, depending on where you came from, but Jesus covers that. And I'm so glad he did and letting them see it saying, you know, now it's your turn to live for Christ. And what is that going to look like? And are you a Christian? You know, those type of things. And another thing we need to do is we need to engage in spiritual disciplines because what that does is that helps remove the emotions out of parenting. When I talk about spiritual disciplines, Prayer, reading your Bible, fasting, right? Um, and for any given reason, um, we need to grow in our intimacy with God and so that our kids can see intimacy with God. And like I, like Emery said, we got saved uh, five years into Brianna's life. 
And we really started like I stopped tripping maybe when they were like teenagers. Like really, like, I was I was in, and y'all know, and it wasn't intentional. Like I was in the church, I was doing all the things, I was trying to provide, and I'm and I'm running around angry all the time. And my kids were seeing the folk at church get the best of me. But when I get home, I let my hair down, and then I'm 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 me, right? Stop running, dude! What are you doing? Put that down. How many times I tell you? And they're like, this is not Minister Sean from church. And it began to create this di- this dichotomy in their head, this this dualistic dude in their head. And 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 to be honest, what snapped me out of it was one of my children, as they were struggling with some of the things that uh, a teenager struggles with, they had made up in their mind that they weren't going to church after they turned old enough to not go to church anymore. Uh, and that broke me, right? And God was working on them, and I had to give her space for God to work on them or her in that moment. But it was eye-opening for me. It was eye-opening for me. I can remember one time uh, we were riding in the car, and I maybe shared this at church one time because I, I, I'm going to jump on one of your things in a minute. But we, we, we're riding in the car, and um, a song came on. It was a gospel song, and they were singing a song, and I was always, I was a minister at the time, and so I turned the radio down, and I'm going to ask them to exegete the song for me. Like, what are these words? What are you singing? What does this mean? Blah, blah, blah. And the song was, there's something different about you. And so they kind of began to talk about some of the things that, that, that they had seen, or that they had felt the song was saying. And then we got home. I was like, good job. I turned the music back up. We finished the song. We get home. And it was a breaking point for me uh, because one of my boys came to me afterwards and said, Dad, I see something different about you in the last few months. Um, and I was like, okay, I got to keep on doing what I've been doing. I got to keep on living the way that I've been living because I've lived in such a way up until this point. Again, believers, saved, loving Jesus, but just not loving Jesus right at home. And I said, okay, the changes that I've made in the last few months, I need to continue and I need to increase these because they're watching. They're watching. You had something. I already jumped on work on your marriage. You can go to the next one. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, oh, I was just going to... One thing that helped me also was uh, finding godly people in the church to come alongside me. Or, uh, you know, if they don't go to your church, they go to a church and they love Jesus and they've been through some things and they help you. And some of the things, you know, they tell you are really strange. And, but, you know, you take the good. You don't like one old lady was, she helped me so much, an older lady at our old church. And she um, would also tell me that I needed to get up and iron my husband's clothes every morning. And I was like, no, I don't need to do that. That doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. I don't even iron my clothes. Um, Great creases. I don't like ironing. It's too hot. Um, so anyways, I was just like, you know, you kind of got to take the... the, <laughs> that was, take the I, I would say you need to listen to that one. Yeah, I bet you do. Or fix your husband a plate every time. I'm struggling to fix these four kids a plate. He got two hands. Yeah, so... I, <laughs> Take, you know, sometimes older people have very strong beliefs about different things, but uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the stuff that lined up with the word, you know, that you take it and you weigh it out and you try different things, and that helped me a lot, a lot. So, um, yeah, especially when it, the sensitivity when it came to the kids, because, you know, you would learn cultural ways of doing things like, um, you know, especially when they whine and cry a lot, and they're trying to get your attention, and she would be like, uh, you know, I used to. Thanks, SJ, all the time. That boy was, he whined a lot, y'all. And I was like, shut up. Or, um, <laughs> he did. And he, he's not here this morning. He's doing worship somewhere else. But um, He whined for the Lord somewhere. <laughs> but the Lord would tell, I mean, this woman would be like, you need to, God has made him very sensitive. And, you know, you can't just spank him or whoop him every time that he you know, as being sensitive, you need to find what's going on and try to, you know, channel that for Jesus. And so that that was hard. And but just like little tidbits like that, that people would tell me that would help me. And she was experienced and her kids weren't even the best. They were grown. But I'm thinking, okay, well, she probably learned from mistakes she made as well. So just finding, finding people to come alongside and help, help me a lot. Because I, I didn't, we, neither one of us really had great examples at home. So we didn't really know and, and, and to add to that, uh, one thing that, this is a real practical thing, I 
I know there's a lot of young parents of younger kids and in the house. Listen, you you could get a lot from small groups, right? And especially if those small groups are in the same age and stage as you are. And so I know there's some ministries that have things called mop moms or preschoolers and things like that. And so you need to create support systems around you that are going through the same thing and prayerfully with fruit. And like Emery said, have some of them older saints that can pour into your life. And so I, I am for affinity groups, but I also would like to see groups intermingle where the older saints can point to the younger saints and the younger saints can give the older saints a bit more insight. And so the idea, though, is creating those environments for your children that are going to benefit them by you getting OK, by you being in a group. Because sometimes you just need to talk about it. Sometimes little boo boo is he, little boo boo is on your last nerve, mom. Because like maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you you just can't wait till your uh, maternity leave is over so you can go back to work. So the boo boo is on your last nerve. Grocery store fallout. This, this and to know that you're not in it by yourself. To know that there's other moms who who go through the same things and maybe you guys like I, I'm not telling you what to do but these are some great ideas I'm throwing out here. And so like you could you can partner with another mom and say look you watch boo boo and boo bet while I go to the grocery store. Right. And so it don't have to be all deep and spiritual. Let's just get some time away and then get people in your life and in your corner that you can share and you can you can mend each other's wounds because oh man they threw a toy today and I was hitting my head and you need to talk about that or you're going to talk to CPS people if, if you let if you allow that to keep happening and so get to a place where you can talk to some other people who are going through some similar things that you can pray with one another because parenting is hard the bible teaches us that raising a child is, is, is like taking a city and y'all know anybody with two year olds know it's tough. All right, you had something. Oh, I have. Oh, oh well, well, hold on then. You can move past. <laughs> and so first, we said we need to learn how to uh, get ourselves together. And secondarily, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We need to learn how to spend time with our children. Uh, uh, and that should be a given. But it's not. I would say I would say that's the most vital thing is spending time with them. Is, um, I wouldn't say it's the most. No, no. I'm just joking. One of the Go most ahead. vital things is spending time with them because relationship is so important. And um, a long time ago, I think a preacher somebody said they don't know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And um, really, that kind of was eye opening for me. And so. Spending time with them is, again, hard sometimes. <laughs> I grew up in a house with very, I mean, you know, on the outside it looked perfect. Like, you know, we lived in the hills. We, My dad was a doctor. My mom was the stay-at-home mom. She was very frequent in uh, PTA, always up at the school. She, We had a nanny who helped out with us because she just couldn't handle all five of us. But we didn't have conversations. We didn't talk. And we didn't... Um, about anything and like my dad would get home from work he wanted to drink a beer and chill out in his room in his drawers that was his thing he loved to do that um Rig it. yeah and then my mom um yeah she was just kind of overwhelmed and you could tell she didn't know what she was doing and she was struggling but she, I mean she tried the best she could with what she knew but um they never talked to me about things I mean I just remember going to school like nine ten hours a day and then coming home and after you know you get home do your homework you might eat dinner and stuff, but there's maybe 10 minutes of conversation, if that. And it was not about anything. It was like, how was your day? Good. You know, because you want to be left alone. You're tired. And so, and she would accept that. And she'd be like, okay, well, do your homework. Because, you know, teenagers are so difficult. And um, I just remember craving time. And I didn't care if my parents were mad at me because I don't really have a relationship. Like, I mean, I would care to an extent, but... I mean, during that 10 minutes, I might have a rough time, but I'm going to try to form into what the kids at school want from me. And and because those relationships are important, I have to deal with those eight hours a day and, you know, that kind of stuff. So just time and pouring into them is so, so important. Um, I know one of the scriptures that the older lady that I, uh, the aforementioned lady was telling me about was um, she told me that children are an inheritance of the Lord, a reward from him. The children born to a man when he is young are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And blessed is the man who has filled his quiver with them. He will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the city gate. And that's Psalm 127. Um, 
they, it, that, I guess inheritance kind of was like a word, I was like, if there are inheritance, what does that mean? And so that when they were younger, that really got me to thinking. And I just know from like my grandmother and, you know, coming from an affluent family, they're very big into inheritance and investing, invest in your kids. And I, that was a new concept for me. So I didn't know what that really looked like. So I was like, okay, well, I know in investing with money, time is important because compound interest and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, let me, what is this going to look like? So I just had to start spending time and really talking to them and asking them about um, just everything. I get on their nerves, I'm sure, but I don't accept fine as an answer. You know, like, oh, how was school today? Fine. No, like, well, what does that mean? What happened? What did the teacher say? What would you do? What happened after that? Did your friend say anything to you? Did anything happen? Like, I get on their last nerves, I'm sure. But after about five minutes of them seeing that I'm not going to stop questioning them, they start telling me things. But um, I have to really... <laughs> I really have to pull it out of them because it's important to me to know what's going on in their lives. And because of that, it helps me know, you know, how to how to address them, things they like, uh, take an interest in the things they like. I don't like Taylor Swift, but Isaiah loved Taylor Swift. So... <laughs> <laughs> he really did. I wasn't a... I wasn't a Tay Swift girl, but he uh, had me listening to some very interesting songs, and I sung them with him. And trouble, trouble, yeah, whatever that was, we were we were singing it. I just it. noticed you had a microphone. So, anyways, it's it's just finding things that are important to them and doing goofy things, just anything to show that they're valuable to you, anything to invest in them. And in, Deuter and in Deuteronomy 4, what we talked about earlier, it talks about... Hold on, uh, real fast. I heard that Dean Yak, our illustrious elder, huh? knows almost every Shawn Mendes song, too. What? Yes. I'm just saying. Kudos, Dean. Kudos. I don't know none of them. You turn one on, and he knows every word. I know Bobby Blue Bland, though. Anybody know Bobby Blue Bland? <laughs> Bobby Blue Bland. Um, and so, yeah, and so like Emery shared, like her family dynamic was affluence and whatever. It, it, it's not about having money and just ignoring your children. You know, we had, I was in the projects and I was ignored. Yeah. Anybody had that, 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 uh, that window unit in the projects? And if you came in the house after you went outside, you gonna stay in here now. Cause like, so you just stayed outside all day long out there in Texas, 105, about to die. But you knew you weren't going to go in that house, so you had to stay in the house. And so, you know, there's neglect in every social dynamic, every, every space. And so it's really important that we help our children navigate. Here's the thing. What is a child who's been on the planet 12 years know about life? And we expect them to be able to navigate life. And then we send them to a school where, where eight hours a day or however long they're at school, they were other 12-year-olds that don't know nothing about life, and they helping each other navigate life, and then they get home, and you don't say nothing to them? You asking for trouble. Same for 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, like all or of 35-year-olds. Like, you know, like, you know, the 40-year-olds say, what a 35-year-old know? You know, because you're, you're constantly growing and learning Amen. and growing. And so it's our job, and I tell my adult children all the time, I'm still your daddy. You know what I mean? Because I know some stuff that you don't know. I've been on the planet twice as long as you have, so I can share some stuff with you. Now, you're old enough, that you can say, you know, you can smell yourself, you can go out there and, and bump your head if you want to, but I'm trying to help you. And so that's another thing. But I think that was the only reason we were pretty good at, at doing this parenting thing, because we had no idea what to do. We, we were scared. We got married at 18. My parents didn't even know we got married. I was just like, I was I, I was so lonely and empty. I met this little boy at school from the project. Little boy, hold on, I time said, out. Time out. I said, let me do him a favor and marry him. <laughs> He was all over me, y'all. He couldn't... Uh, anyway. I'm going to tell the real story. Now, no, now no, 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 no. We're getting, you're getting off that line. Good. You're no, getting no, off the no, line. get away with that. Listen, y'all good. <laughs> so anyway... She, she had a nanny, but she moved into the project who was whipped. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. With a wall wet. Sorry. So if you're overwhelmed and you feel like you don't know, slide guy in the back. There are resources that you can go to and figure out. And so I, 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 I've accumulated a few resources. The first one is Think Orange. 
This is where we get our, uh, our, our, our children's curriculum and our, our teenagers' curriculum. And these are two great books if, you, if, if you're paying attention and you're, over, you're, like, you're like, I don't know where to start. This first one is called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. Because you're sinful, because you're broken, because you don't know what you're doing, here's a, a resource that will help you uh, figure out some practical, tangible things that you can do, that you can do what you do and let God do the rest. And then the other one is called Don't miss it. Parenting like every week matters. Parenting like you're losing your marbles. And so those are two great resources. If you don't know where to start, start there. And you can, or you can get them at the store thinkorange.com. And since we are so next gen, if you're like, man, I ain't got no money. Listen, talk to me or somebody else. We'll order you a copy. But this is so important to us that your children uh, get poured into. Uh, secondarily, there's a, there, there's a website called parentq.org. There's also an app. Some of y'all like, you asking me to read a book, ain't doing it. And so uh, ParentQ has a blog, it's short form, it has a podcast, it has an app. And these things help you in those moments, in those times where Amory's talking about, riding in the car, meal time, at dinner time. It gives you prompts of things to talk about. Like, it's nothing more intimidating, and I'm not trying to be funny, it's nothing more intimidating than looking at a three-year-old and trying to explain to them about what God would have them do in that moment. It, it, it's challenging, right? And so this gives us age-appropriate things that we can do. Uh, another one, these are the OGs in the parenting game. Uh, focus on the family. Dr. James Dobson. And so there's a podcast, there's a radio program, there's all these things on parenting uh, that you can check out there. Last but not least, www.northeastcommunitychurch forward slash news and events. You can uh, subscribe to our newsletters there for the children, church, and the uh, the student ministry, and we'll consolidate some of these resources and send them out monthly. And so you can also track along with what we're doing uh, in the ministry. Uh, and so you can talk with the kids about those things. That and also, I would, I would, where I was going with saying we got married so young, the Bible also, I mean, I, and nowadays you can Google, you know, different parenting tips from the Bible, because that's all we had back then, because Google wasn't as big, but we would try to figure out what I God is telling it. us. <laughs> Um, through that, and that is really all we knew to do yeah. was be done safe. Stop moving it. This is me. Okay, go. <laughs> Third point. So, start with what's wrong with you. Stop touching my thing. Spend time. That sounded so weird. Uh, focus on heart training. Focus on heart training. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, we want to work on our kids' behaviors and not on their hearts. And so it's hard for a child to, to, to reconcile because, listen, this is scientific, and you can ask this to me because she's a doctor, and so she'll tell you that your frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until you're 21, 22, 23 years old, somewhere in there. And so they they operating on a small brain anyway. Like, they can't think. Your frontal lobe is in charge of your, 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 your ability to think future. That's why 18-year-olds will jump off a building and you'll go, what were you doing? I don't know, because they don't have the ability. They're, they're walking around with a stunted brain. They really are. 13-year-olds, like, what is going on? And so we have to help them train their heart because their brain ain't going to always figure it out. Y'all looking at me like, that ain't true. It is true. Google it. Um, but the idea is that uh, heart training teaches them what matters most, not rules. Right. Because the law was given as guardrails, but we're not so concerned with them just obeying what God said, because God said this, because God said that. And that's a lot of times how we approach parenting. God said this and we need to do it. And so just because they're doing it doesn't mean that they're loving God and their heart being trained to, to understand the goodness of God and what God is doing in their lives and in their hearts. And so what we want to do is what we want to do is train their heart. Deuteronomy, uh, going back to Deuteronomy 4, it says, when they lay down, give it to them. When they stand up, give it to them. And not only just give them the word, but give them uh, the, the concepts and the precepts behind uh, what did you touch my thing for? <laughs> the thing behind while they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not doing this because God just said so. You're doing it because your heart is wicked. You're doing it because you're training yourself and you're not going to always feel like it. I don't always feel like it. But God is sovereign. God is in control and God knows what's best. And my ways are always broken. My ways, and that's where the word comes in, where it helps us to be able to navigate life with them and teach them practical ways. And so, like, 
I, I got to be honest, like, you know, like, even when I used to teach students, it was like, you know, there was always two answers to everything. And even though those two answers were everything, uh, you need to be able to unpack it for mm-hmm. a child. And so every answer, Jesus or the Bible, right? Like, you go to some school, Jesus. They can't, what are they going to say? Jesus ain't the answer? You know, Jesus or the Bible. But we have to be able to unpack that. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that mean? Like, how do I deal with that? How do I navigate that? And don't, listen, here's another thing. Give your child a Bible in some English that they can understand. Give a child a Bible that's written in 1511 to ask them, this is in Dallas, and they like, listen, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get this. I don't get this. And so some good alternatives are the NIV, the NLT, that gives them something that they can understand. Study Bibles, they have all these study Bibles out there. Get a good study Bible if you don't understand which ones are good. Get with us and we'll help you where they can have commentary and things on the Bible. Oh, this is what this means. Listen, send them to Sunday night, shameless plug, 530, where they're going to get a word and then they're going to break down into small groups and they're going to talk through some of these challenges. And the biggest proponent for kids growing in their faith is being in an environment where they can question their faith. Amen. Because we question our faith all the time, but we act like we don't. Yeah. And so give them a safe place to question things. To, to, to navigate it. And it's okay to tell your child, listen, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Let's find out together. One of the, I agree with everything he's saying. And you should. Along, it was right. <laughs> you see what I live with. Um, with, um, I guess, spending time and training them in the heart is a big one. A lot of people will say train up a child in the way they should go. When they're older, they will not depart far from it. So I don't know why. When they were younger, somebody I was thinking about training, and I was like, training, training. I'm thinking about those kids who like Serena Williams and them. They get up before school, they play tennis, they do this, they, they, you know, they're really have. It's not like just tennis recreationally. Sometimes go to church on the weekends, like you know, it's not just those things. It's serious training, and for whatever reason, I took that to heart. And um, and again, this is where time consistency comes in so importantly. Is just. It can be anything. It could be watching. We Brianna and I used to watch. Um, Give more girls. No. Oh. What I like about you. I don't remember. It was a goofy show, but um, we used to watch it and be like, okay, look how you know people have sex on the third date. That's kind of like I'm telling her all the stuff about. Like that's pretty normal. That's what people in the world kind of do. That's the normal thing. I don't want that to be your normal. So let's look at what the Bible says about that. Like every single thing was an opportunity. And in Deuteronomy 4, it talks about, you know, talking on the way, you know, when you're walking with your children. So every time we're in the car, we're talking about that. I know Brianna told me one time she thought I was the biggest freak in the world because all I did was talk about sex and drugs. And <laughs> she said she started working. I think her first job was at Cinemark when she was 18, 17. And she was like, now I see why you told me about that. That's all anyone talks about. I said, I told you. But it's just, you know, having those hard conversations that are uncomfortable. When your child comes and says, what is oral sex or what is that kind of thing? You know, you need to describe those things because I rather them hear it from me. I learned everything in public school and that was not good. And, you know, learning that everything is okay, try it. Hey, whatever. It's no big deal. And um, taking those every single little opportunity to talk to them about just anything. Where babies come from started when they were like seven. Sean would get extremely uncomfortable. He would leave the room. But, you know, at an age appropriate, age appropriately, um, according to them, I've scarred them all. But, hey, they're all living for Jesus and virgins, so I'm not complaining. Uh, They, um, but just, you know, taking every little opportunity and everything you see around you. If someone, you know, gets upset, and that's even where when I get upset with them, Mommy, sorry, I messed up. I shouldn't have done it that way. And because I love Jesus, I'm going to apologize and say this. You know, there's every little thing is just doing it, filtering it through the Word, and it's exhausting. We have more feelings talks in my household than I don't know what. Yes, we're always having feelings talks because I want to acknowledge those things that they're feeling because those are legitimate and not just say do it because that goes to helping, you know, their heart and emotions deal with everything that they have to go through. It's a lot. And it's a lot to talk <laughs> to talk through with them. He's, he's not great at feelings talks. But <laughs> I'm not good at feelings talks. <laughs> um, but every single little thing, just talking through it and then filtering it through the word. What does God say about that? is so, so vitally important. And it can be like the tiniest little thing when they snap on their brother and sister, you know, and 
you know, not saying, like living in a place where they, living in a household environment where they can't just insult each other all the time and do certain things. Why? Because Jesus tells them to. And they will call you a lecturer and boring and long talker and all this kind of stuff. I don't care because my job as a parent is to make sure that um, when I stand before God, first and foremost, that I said I did everything I could. I live my life poured out to bring you glory. And they are our first, you know, they're our first disciples. And I know mothering is so important. Um, please, moms, don't let your kids hear you say that you are uh, upset about summer. And when school's getting ready to start, you're so happy for school to start. So you can have them back out of the house. Because that affects kids. And just... Um, really spending the time, I mean, I know you can think it, but don't say it, that's all I'm saying, um, just ha just making a purpose time to have fun with them, have dates with them, different things, doing what they want to do, even though it is extremely boring, watching the movies they want to watch, and I hate superhero movies, I know, it's not popular, I'm not an Avengers person, good, the men in tights running around, it doesn't do it for me, but... I go to see them. I talk through the whole thing, and I was like, okay, so this guy has what power? And they're like, shh, mom. But um, it, <laughs> taking the time to do things that I don't like with them, and then afterwards, you know, talking about every single little thing yeah. ad nauseum until yeah. you feel like a jerk. But, hey, it, it, it really, it's repetitiveness. It's why little kids can watch the same movie over and over and over again, that repetitive. Uh, stuff is needed. And then also consistency, because I remember when we did, like, um, I was on a kick to read the whole New Testament with them, and we did it. And some days, you know, of course you miss days, and you don't, other days you don't. And some days I was sick, and I had Brianna read it, and it came in out British in a British accent. accent. But, hey, <laughs> it's all right. So just just those are the, the most important yeah. things. And so consistency and what she's saying, it comes full circle as well. As you're putting it before your children, remember the first uh, point that we made about getting your stuff together, oh, it will come back because they're watching your life, right? And so, no, you shouldn't gossip. Oh, but what about you at the grocery store the other day? Oh, that's when you have to go back to the second one. Humble yourself and go, you're right. You're right. Let I me repent to you. It. I shouldn't have did that. That's hard to do yeah. to a child, for a child, right? Because you're like, you need to kind of tell me because we, we're so prideful. We just want to. And so parent, that's why parenting take going the extra mile. And so another point is, like, as we talk about these things, and the reason that we do these things is you are the spiritual leader of your house. You determine the spiritual thermostat in your house. Your house is going to be just as spiritual as you are as the leader. And listen, here's the thing. If you've done this, I'm not, I'm not judging. It just drops me nuts. I'm going to let my child make their own decisions about church and God and those things. You don't let them make that decision about going to school. You don't let them make that decision about taking a bath. But if you say God is the most important thing, then you need to display that he is the most important thing. Right? And so, as for me and my house, that's what, right? You just quote that. We gonna serve God. And so, when you turn grown and you get out, you can do, like, like, but as far as this, we're gonna live by these principles, these rules, because this is what I feel is best for you. Right. And so you have to be courageous and you can't make nobody love Jesus. We talked about this last week. You can't make nobody love Jesus, but you can set up environments for them to meet. Him. And as a spiritual leader of your house, you have to not focus on behavior modification, focus on heart training. And teaching them how to love Jesus. Yes. You already said all that. Didn't you? Sure did. In those conversations that she talked about, listen, you don't know how far-reaching the implications are. I have students, when I was a, a, a youth pastor years ago, they were 13 years old. They are grown-ups right now, like really grown folks with kids. One young lady has like four or five kids now, and she'll reach out to me every so often on Facebook and like, remember when you said this? What did you mean by that? I'm like, I don't remember saying that. That was like 27 years ago. I don't remember <laughs> what I said 27 years ago. But you never know how deep these conversations go. And so you can't shirk your responsibility as a parent being the spiritual leader of the house. And so your kids are only going to go as far as you allow the conversation to go. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if you don't have children or you're not married or whatever, it, don't take lightly how important it is that you can invest in a young person's life. I know they say 
Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. And, um, you know, that's such an, statistically, you can impact a child so much when they're young. And so find people, I always wish somebody would have taken time to, like, pull me aside because I didn't have discipline at home and I didn't have those things, you know, being taught to me. I was just like, hey, wild and free. Um, but it, learning those things and you can be that even if it's your neighbor or, you know, when you complain about those bad kids because they're everywhere, you know, maybe instead of complaining, invest in one of their lives. And um, yeah, they, they brought home many a crazy little person. And we try, and sometimes they stick, and sometimes they don't. But you try the best you can as unto Jesus. Each each single person is important. A lot of times, the baddest ones are needing the most help. Because <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> I was gonna say that, but not. Um, and then also connect your connect your children with the faith community. Talk about uh, Friday, I mean Sunday night, um, and things of that nature. Because before. God, before God goes into talking about writing it on their heart, he gives the Shema. And they'll say, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And so what he's saying is he's talking to all of Israel about raising children. And so if, even if you don't have a child, listen, if you got a nephew, a niece, an aunt, if you got time to volunteer, uh, do those things because, listen, it is, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, it is so important for older people to invest in younger people's lives because, listen, a parent can say something 734 times, and then you come along and say it, and it's just like ain't shit. They ain't never heard it before. Mom, Sister Gail told me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I've been telling you that every day. Yeah. And then you got to be humble in that moment and go, you know what? That's good. Sister Gail is so wise. You know what I mean? It's like, but it, it, it takes a village. It really does take a village. It takes a family of believers to raise children. And so finally, my wife is really adamant about this one. And so point number four is you can't effectively raise your children, train their hearts, uh, get yourself together, spend time with them that is going to be meaningful unless you saturate that relationship in prayer. In prayer. So that those kids can know, listen, you're a part of a bigger story. You're a part of something bigger. And so as parents... Our kids need to know that prayer is important to us, and they need to be able to see us praying. I have a scripture here, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. It says, he who fears the Lord has a secure, has a secure fortress. Watch this. And for his children, it will be a refuge. Prayer creates this environment where you can stand on firm ground and your children can find refuge in prayer. One thing that I used to do, I used to suffer... Uh, from really bad migraines and pain in my body, I used to ask my kids to pray for me. Like, you know, you're part of this. You have an ability to go to God. And Anne-Marie used to come and they used to lay hands on me and pray for daddy. And, and, it, and, it, and they were little. It's, it was real simple. Yep, my daddy's headache go away. Right? But then when I'm up and out of bed a few hours later, like, like God, like my daddy didn't die. You know, like, <laughs> you know. And so it helped them go to God and trust God for things that, and Darius shared last week about the thing that he uh, did in Brittany about her father, how in their early age, in their early age, they were able to uh, engage with God in prayer. And those things go a long way with them. And so let your kids see you praying. One thing, one beautiful thing that my wife does, and I think she still does it. I'm not always at the house no more, but whenever they leave the house, even now, they're in their 20s and 17s and 19s and teens and stuff, she prays for them when they leave the house. Come here, let's pray before we go. And they be, they be on their way out the door. Like, Timmy's waiting, Mom. They don't say that. Jesus is more important <laughs> than Timmy. And then she'll, she'll, and she'll make it slow on purpose, let them slow down, and they'll pray. They love it. They love it. They love it. Uh, but let them see you pray. Let them see that there's a cultivated relationship with you and God, and that God is real, and that God is important. Invite them into these training moments. What do you got finally? Well, I just agree with you. Prayer is the, the biggest thing. It's hard parenting. I cry a lot. Um, the biggest thing that's helped me is having a place to like get away from everyone else. And I go in my closet. Uh, and, you know, that's where that's where I can close the door and not be bothered and cry to Jesus. Because when you do it in your, when you try to do it in your own strength, and even, you know, biblical principles, when you're trying to enact them in your own strength, you get weary and it's hard and 
like I've apologized seven times. I'm not apologizing anymore. I'm going to slap my kid in the head. You know, those are things that go through my head. I'm sick of this. You know, I'm tired of this. And um, then, you know, taking that time to go in and, and kind of reset with Jesus is what gets me through it. It's what's, you know, it helps me to say, okay, God. And it's very humbling, of course. Like, how many times do I mess up every single day? And he's faithful to forgive. He's long-suffering with me. And so it reminds me to be long-suffering them, with them with a joyful heart. And it's apart from the Holy Spirit, I cannot do this at all. And understanding, uh, prayer helps you understand that you're not perfect and there's no concept of a perfect family. And so get that out of your head right now. One of the, chal- one of the biggest challenges for me. I tell y'all, he's messed up. Yes, no, I just am. <laughs> But one of the biggest challenges for me is I'm type A perfectionist kind of dude. And so my kids need to be, you know, whoop, 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 whoop. and my wife broke me up from that. She told y'all about the, 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 the old women at the church used to say, you know, um, you need to fix your husband a plate and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, you know, you ain't going to fix these no plate. She didn't come from no domestic kind of, you know, doing that. She was like, oh, and so when they single, where they man at? You know, that kind of thing. I'm like, good point. Good point. You know. And I literally had to get to a place where I was like, you know what? My family is not going to be perfect. I'm trying to create this picket fence idea of who my kids are going to be. You know, they're going to be this. They're going to get this scholarship. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. We wanted to be the Cosby. That's what you used to always reference. Yeah, you know, that's what I said. When I was growing up, that was that, that was the pinnacle. You want to be the Cosby's, right? Um, and, you know, sit down and have a talk. And, you know, Theo, you know, you talk to Theo. And then Theo gets it by the end of the 30-minute, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what you wanted. You got, you got a glimpse. And it was funny, and, and, and the family did stuff, and you know, and you know, oh gosh. Uh, but when I got to a place where I was like, you know what, my family is my family. And God has created them uniquely, specially, and they are wired the way that they're wired. And Emery used to always tell me, stop trying to, that's not the way that they're wired. I don't care, they need to be wired this way, you know, that kind of thing. And so I had to get to a place where I let them off the hook and let them be them. Right. And let them have their relationship with God. They didn't have to mimic me. They didn't have to be. And even my wife, she didn't have to be the perfect. She is perfect. But she didn't have to be like, you know, what what, what I thought in my head when I came home, dinner cooked, socks folded, no messy house. And, and it wasn't until I got older and started realizing, well, she does have like four kids back to back to back to back. Ain't nothing going to be clean around here. You know, um, that. And I learned that through prayer. I learned that to go in my closet and, and, and praying to God and God revealing those things to me. Like, you know what? You're you're living in a fantasy world. And uh and so God has given us these unique little And teaching lives. them as well as they get older, because a lot of times when you teach them biblical principles, they strive for that, you know, and they feel so bad when they yeah. don't hit the mark of Jesus for teaching them. You know, I I've now that they're older, I tell them, you know, more of the, the specifics. But I'm like, when I get in a fight with your dad, I go in the closet and tell Jesus I hate him. I can't stand him. Why'd you give me this fool? You know, all those things that come. <laughs> but then God is quick to show me myself. And, you know, he's very faithful. And then I come out and end up apologizing to him. I hate that part. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But telling them that, go in the closet, you know, go wherever you need to go and tell Jesus that you are angry and, you know, you're upset and, and learn to, that to be your outlet. Because, again, I can't stress enough, the Bible says, um, apart from God, nothing good dwells in us. And our flesh is enmity with God. The enemy is seeking to, you know, still kill and destroy. He's trying to take us out. He's whispering things in our ear. And so everything is like, there's so much against us. Why would we not go to the word of prayer? Because that is the only thing, you know, we have. The word is our sword and and prayer is our, oh, that's just Jesus strengthening us. It's our nourishment. Yeah. Uh, so God gives us the ability and the capacity to bear. It's one of the toughest things that we'll engage in. So if you're a parent in the room today, we just want to take the next few moments to refocus and, and devote ourselves to prayer right now for our our families, our children. And if you're in the room and you don't have kids, you got grandkids, you got nieces, you got nephews, and you know those children uh, are living in a world and they're not understanding their importance. They're not understanding that God has crafted them and created them to be, uh, to become like Jesus. 
And so pray for them in this moment. And if you ain't got no nephews, no nieces, no child that you can think about, pray for yourself um, that here's the thing. I'm sure you're coming in contact with some children somewhere, someplace, somehow, unless you're just an old cat lady and you got like 90 cats and you come to church Sunday and you go right back to your cats. Um, pray for those children and those young adults that or in your neighborhood, uh, that you might be able to display the love of Jesus to and for. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.